Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Well, good evening, Christian. We are here recording another episode for our UMMC Bible Study Podcast, continuing on in the book of Galatians. Today, we will be continuing in Galatians chapter 4, and we have a lot to get into, so I really want to go ahead and get reading and get going. But before I start, Christian, I just want to preface today's podcast by saying what we are paying attention to today is how does Paul shepherd people? And then inadvertently, how do we shepherd people? And so today we'll be reading in verse 8 to verse 20. Now, we're not going to read all the verses, but I want to start with the first few verses, and then Christian will go to the last few verses. But I always encourage all our believers that are listening to our podcast to go ahead and read verses 8 through 20. But let me start off with this verse here. So this is verse 8, 9, and 10. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I have labored over you in vain. Now, Christian, Paul here is talking to the Galatians. Do you mind giving us kind of a background up to here and then essentially what is paul concerned about what is he writing about well in in brief in chapter one and two he identified the problem that the galatian believers have had which was their returning to the judaic law Uh, and first he addressed it saying you know you have some people who've stole brothers who've stolen among you and are trying to distract you and then he addressed it when uh, directly to Peter's face. You know, there was an example there. Well, Paul, there he gave his own his own testimony of having God revealed in him, God revealing His Son in him. And then Paul began to speak a lot about Christ, a lot about Christ in Galatians two and three. Uh, no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And then all throughout chapter three, talking about Christ. And then uh, coming to where we were last week in chapter four, the beginning, as a result of our being in Christ and Christ being in us, we're made sons of God. And that's completely organic in nature. We're sons because we have God's life, because Christ's life has come into us. So here, where we just got to in verse eight and nine, Paul, again, he's, he's talking, I think, quite strongly, really. You wish to be 
enslaved by the weak and poor elements. That's what my translation says. So he's kind of fighting still. He's still fighting here against the believers being enslaved really by the law. You're exactly right, Christian. We define as religion or this matter of trying to keep the law is that this is a way for people to try to serve God apart from God. And so you see here in verse 8, essentially what the Galatian believers had been doing is they were Gentiles. They had no clue who God was, so they essentially was serving a false god. Or Paul say, says here, by nature are not gods. You could say it was a religious system, some type of religious type of worship. But in reality, there was no God there. Then they got saved. They got regenerated. They are excited, and Paul is here preaching to them and ministering to them. And they were so filled with love for God, and even some of the verses further down, he says, they were willing to gouge out their eyes to give it to Paul if Paul needed it. That's the kind of appreciation they had for the Apostle Paul. But now they had started to go back again, again to a religious system, again trying to serve God apart from God. And the issue here in Galatians was the Judaic law. So these brothers that were Christians, but also wanting to serve the old way according to the Mosaic law, this was a problem. And one thing we always want to say is as Christians, we serve Christ plus nothing. There can be nothing else compared to Christ. Christ is the only supreme being, right? The triune God is the supreme being. And he is the only one that we worship. We don't serve God and mission trips. We don't serve God and Easter Sunday. We don't serve God and Christmas. I'm just using these examples because that was, is what verse uh, 10 says. We serve God and God alone. And we know in our own experience, sometimes we would love the work more than we love God. This is a problem sometimes that we have. We love the homeless ministry more than we love serving God. But anyway, we can fellowship a lot more about that. What I want to bring out here today, and I'll ask you, Christian, is many of us believers, once we're saved, we have the commission from Jesus to go and disciple all the nations. But sometimes our vision of that is different. So do you have any examples for us, Christian, as far as what people might do to try to serve God, but yet is not exactly what Paul is doing? Yes, serving God, like that's, there's a lot of concepts, right? We could, we could talk all day. What does that look like? And I think traditionally when we look around, when people think about serving God, they think about like pastors and big evangelists, big televangelists. And like how I could never do that. Like that's, you can't expect an average Joe like me to be able to do something like that. How could I serve God like that? Or maybe you have to become some kind of clergy, some priest in some kind of system. And now you're a designated holy person serving God in that kind of capacity. Unfortunately, this is this is all very religious, right? Very religious system. And I like what you said. We we serve Christ plus nothing. And and that really needs to be our standard, not some forms or traditions that we might see. We 
really we should come to the Bible as a guidance to us to how we should serve the Lord. But but Christ is the standard. We our personal relationship with the Lord. We can ask the Lord, Lord, how should I be serving you? How can I be serving you right now? Maybe we need to go to our fellow members, and I I have a burden to serve and participate somehow. How can I participate? How can I serve the Lord? And through the fellowship in the body, there may be some help. I think these ways are much better than one serving all by ourselves according to some concepts we might have or something we might see outside in the just in the world. Um, and that'll save us from a lot of vain service, <laughs> I, I would hope. Amen, Christian. And I, I have to amen what you're saying. Obviously, you're right. We could be some powerful televangelist, you know, just preaching the gospel and saving 5,000, 10,000 souls every single day. Uh, we could be, like you said, some member of clergy that is, you know, just constantly working in uh, a religious system, which find that, you know, that's all okay. But I always like to compare our pattern to either the Lord Jesus or obviously somebody in the Bible. And if you look at what the Lord did on the earth and even what Paul was doing, it was not that. There were times where the Lord had thousands and thousands of people following him. Don't get me wrong. And there are times that those thousands and thousands of people wanted to make the Lord king. They wanted him to be their leader. They wanted him to lead them by the thousands. Uh, but every time they try to do something like that to the Lord, the Lord would run away. The Lord would always go away somewhere. And if you read most of what the Lord did that had any long-term impact happened on a very personal level. In fact, in the book of Acts, when the Lord had died and resurrected and ascended, he only had 120 people in that upper room in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And they were the only ones there. And you could say, Lord, you only had 120 people after your three years of ministry? We have some social media high schoolers that have thousands of followers online that just kind of follow them along and do whatever they say. We have influencers with, with millions of followers. But the Lord, he could have had that, but he purposely chose not to because he realized what he was there to do on the earth was not just to have a bunch of people. But he was trying to do something else. And I actually want to stop there because this is what Paul was doing. And it was what he described in chapter 4, verse 19. Christian, do you have that verse? Yes. This is Galatians 4, 19. My children, with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. Christian, that sure doesn't sound like I'm going to preach the gospel for you and you get to go to heaven and then I'm never going to touch base with you again. It doesn't sound like I'm going to feed you bread by a miracle and then I'm just going to leave you alone and that's it. Never talk to you again. But something else is happening here, Christian. What is Paul talking about? And maybe what is this attitude that Paul has that's different than, say, maybe someone that just preaches the gospel on TV? I think a good description, biblical description of this would be a shepherd. 
Paul here, he's a shepherd and a teacher. And he even self uh, says that in Ephesians chapter four, he mentions, you know, various gifts to the body and functions of members of the body. And he's really functioning here as a, a shepherd and a teacher. Uh, even, even a mother, the kind of picture here, he said, I'm travailing in birth. I Maybe some other translations say laboring in birth until Christ is formed in you. So, yeah, this is definitely a pattern for us because in our Christian life, we're not solo. We're not doing the Christian life solo. That's really hard. And also that's not what the Lord is after. He's, he's after his body. And what a privilege it is. We can be ones to minister Christ to our fellow believers, those who are younger than us, uh, even those who are older than us. We can minister Christ to shepherd one another so that Christ can continue to be formed, continue to grow in each other. So, yeah, this is, this is very different perhaps from just preaching the doctrinal gospel to somebody. Uh, this is very personal much more personal and, and the language he uses here is is really a lot more personal yeah you're exactly right christian he's talking to these believers as children so he's not talking to them as you know co-workers he's not talking to them as friends even but he's talking to them as children and so you're right this is the relationship paul had i am like a nursing mother and a cherishing father. And this is, even in his other epistles, he refers to himself as this, to the ones that he brought to the Lord. I have an invested interest in you like a mother has with a child. And Christian, I obviously have a lot of children. I delivered a lot of babies. And when you deliver that baby and you put that baby on that mother's chest and the mother's looking into that baby, a bond happens there that is completely based on life. It's more than duty, like, okay, yes, I'm your mother, so I should protect you, I should provide for you, I should do this, do that. But something connects there, and it's deep. It is deep like life. And for the rest of that child's life, even if you are 65 and that child is 45 and he's grown and he's independent, that child is still your child. And so this is... Paul's attitude toward the believers, that I am not just, I'm going to teach you the rules of how to be a good Christian, but he's saying like, I am travailing and laboring until Christ is formed in you, until a person, Christ, with all his feelings and all his thoughts and all his purpose and all his will, that one is now formed in you. And when he is formed in you, now you have the capacity, you have the responsibility, you have the privilege to live that one out. And I'll say, Christian, this is actually what the Lord did. You know, we talked about the Lord, of course, having thousands of followers. He was not interested in that. His 120 that he had in Acts was what he was interested in. And this actually reminds me of John 12, 24, where the Lord was telling uh, you know, his disciples, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Okay, so we read that verse a lot. Of course, you're like, oh, okay, bear as much fruit. But you have to stop and think about it for a second. What happened there? A grain of wheat falls into the ground, dies, it releases its life, and a bunch of grains pop up. But all the grains that pop up look exactly like the same as the first grain that fell down, right? It's not like, you know, the grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies and up pops a bunch of apple trees. That's not how it works. What pops up is a bunch of grains. And so essentially what the Lord was trying to do is to duplicate and reproduce. You could say the Lord was the prototype. He was the first one that was fully God and fully man. And when he died and released his life and got his life into all these believers, these believers were just patterns of him. When people saw them, they saw the Lord. And that was what the Lord was doing on the earth. And essentially, that is what Paul is doing here. He is not satisfied having a bunch of people that know the right things to do. He wants people that have Christ completely reproduced in them. Well, Christian, I think we're out of time again today. So we'll have to wrap it up here. But we have some really exciting stuff that we'll be touching on next week as well. But again, you see how much the Lord needs brothers and sisters that learn how to shepherd according to Him. That learn how to shepherd not according to law, but according to the Christ that had been formed in them. So anyway, Christian, any final thoughts? May the Lord increase the shepherding and love among among us, and may we uh, continue to f- increase our fellowship with the Lord so that we can be such shepherds too. Oh, Amen. Christ, Amen. Thanks, Christian, for your time. Amen. And all things else we see.